Hello and welcome to another episode of Powerful Conversations. I am your host, Nawad, and in today's episode, I'm going to challenge you by asking you, what do you have at home? Stay tuned. So before we get started, I wanted to say thank you. If you have listened to the very first episode titled Introduction, I want to say thank you for that and thank you for tuning in to this podcast. It really means a lot. I'm glad that you have tuned in and I hope that this podcast edifies you and that it blesses you in some way. Now, in addition to that, if you have personally reached out to me and provided feedback, I also want to say thank you. See, I used to have a supervisor that used to always say that feedback is a gift. Feedback is not criticism. It's not intended to tear somebody down. It's not intended to quote unquote, knock somebody out of their high horse or anything like that. Rather, it is a well thought out piece of advice. Really, that's what it is. It's somebody taking the time to process whatever it is and then put together a sort of a review that can really then help the person receiving the feedback to implement it and only get better from there. So I have received great feedback and please rest assured that said feedback will be implemented It may take me a few episodes to do so, um, but just know that it really means a lot knowing that it comes from the heart. So thank you for that. And speaking of feedback, if you are listening to this podcast at the end of this episode, I so kindly ask that whatever platform you're listening through that you leave a review, whether it's a rating um, or just written out reviews. Let me know what you think. Let me just, just let me know. Um, I kindly ask that you do that. And also keep in mind that with reviews being added to said platforms, it really helps bring other listeners in. So please do so, especially if you've been blessed. And if you've been blessed by this, feel free to share with friends, family members, and so forth. I greatly appreciate it. All right. So with that said, let's get started. Today's powerful conversation it's actually going to be located in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. And we're going to read from verses 1 through 7. So if you want to turn into your Bibles, swipe up, just pull it up. Um, so 2 Kings, chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. So let's get started with that. It says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of oil, she replied. And Elijah said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. 
Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell me the olive, sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. And for this reason, the title of this episode is titled, What Do You Have a Home? Before we dive deeper into this, one of the things that I want to bring attention to, and it's actually on verse one, it says that the widow, she was a widow of a member of the group of prophets. And while I read this, it caught my attention. I'm like the group of prophets, like what is that? And In some, depending on the translation, it may say the company of prophets or the sons of the prophets. Um, But I think that BibleAss.org really explained it the best. Um, So I'm just going to read a little bit off of what it is they wrote about it, because I personally found this so interesting. It says that the school of prophets was established by Samuel to protect the nation against corruption. It was designed to promote the mental and spiritual welfare of the youth. It aimed at furnishing the nation with godly men equipped to lead spiritually. The school of prophets is referred to in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 18 through 24 as a quote-unquote group of prophets. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 5, and then also in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38 through 44. So as the son of prophets. It says the chief subjects of study in these schools were the law of God. So they used to have actual schools that they would attend. Um, So the chief subject in these schools were the law of God with the instructions given to Moses in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 11. They would also discuss sacred history and sacred music. In addition, the students were taught a trade to help them be self-supportive. A rabbinical proverb taught the Jewish families, he who does not teach his sons a trade teaches him to be a thief. So every youth, whether his parents were rich or poor, were taught some kind of trade. Thus, even the pupils in the schools of the prophets had to be educated both for holy office and practical life work. So I found this to be so interesting, like, So her husband was part of the school of prophets. He was a man that was close to God, was a fearing, is a God fearing man. And in fact, she brings that up in verse, uh, yeah, still in verse one, where she says, you know how he feared the Lord. So this is a man who was close to God. What I find so interesting is that even though her husband was a man of God, he was still a man who was in debt. He was still a man who put his family in a situation where 
now he's no longer there to financially provide for them. And they're left vulnerable. They are left in a position where there's now fear in the home. Now it's not, hey, let's grieve from his passing. Let's process things that happened. Now it's, we got to figure out because these two sons, these two boys are, they're about to be slaves. Now, mind you, the word doesn't tell us how old they are. Although I'm very curious as to how old possibly could they have been. But it just comes to show that, hey, even though we may serve God, we may be susceptible to not handling finances in a good manner. Like We still have to figure this out. We still need to do so in a way that protects our families, in a way that if something were to happen to us, whether it's an illness or our passing to go to go on and be with the Lord, we still have kids that can be affected by our poor financial decisions. And that's what's happening here. Now, the woman says, um, it says on here that the woman went to Elijah. I'm very curious as to why did she go to him? Like, what was she expecting? What was, what was exactly, what was she expecting him to do? With this whole thing, was it like she wanted him to do a miracle? Did she want him to speak on their behalf? Was she maybe hoping that he paid off their debts or something? I don't know. But I could tell you this, though. I think she, I personally think she went to the right person to have the right conversations because she could have been out talking to her friends about it. And they could have just been hyping up her grief and her anxiety. Because sometimes that happens. We go through things and we go ahead and talk to our besties. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I too have a bestie. <laughs> and I, I'm i starting to build a village and people that I love very dearly. But I have to remind myself that, hey, even when danger is lurking... Even when anxieties creep up, I have to go talk to God first and foremost. It is in him that the answers are going to come from. It's not in my strength. It's not in family members' strength. It is through God. He's the He has the answer. So I think she did a really good job in reaching out to through Elijah. Um, perhaps that's just the way she connected with God and, you know, just going through the man of God. But I think his reaction, <laughs> I don't think she expected that because he asked her a very profound and a very important question. And it is, what do you have in the house? Although I got to tell you, reading this in Spanish, which in Spanish, in the Spanish version, it says, Que tienes en tu casa? Which is, what do you have in your home? What do you have in your house? And I think it's a question we've got to ask ourselves. What do we have in our homes? That could be the key to unlocking the miracle that we're looking for. 
what do we have in our homes? Now, a lot of times we want a miracle and we want God to snap his fingers and or say the word and for it to happen. And sometimes that is how he operates. But there are times where he's wanting us to look within our own homes. Because there are resources in our home that are valuable. And I'm not just talking about physical resources. I'm, I'm talking about certain things that maybe your spouse knows how to do. Maybe certain abilities that your children have. Maybe an ability that you have that can be the avenue, that can be the method by which God wants to carry out the miracle that you are needing in your life. It could just be sitting right at home. You'd be surprised. Now I do, and I'll probably keep saying a lot, I find this very interesting because this whole passage to me was like this whole conversation was very interesting because Elijah then, you know, he's asking this woman, what do you have in the house? And she goes straight into nothing at all, which almost, almost made me want to roll my eyes because it's like nothing. You don't have, I don't know, bowls. You don't have... You don't have clothing. You don't have like, what do you mean? Nothing. You got to have something at home. But I think she knew, she knew deep in her heart that this olive, this flask of olive oil was it. She knew it must've had some type of value, monetary value. Um, Maybe she knew that she could have sold it. Maybe she knew like, I think deep down in her heart, she just knew because she's sitting here saying, responding to this question, nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil. So we really got to ask ourselves, what is that one thing? Because you're probably saying, ah, we got no talents at home. (laughs) We've got no resources at home. But in the back of your mind, you kind of do. You kind of know what it is. We just have to be super honest with ourselves and and really ask ourselves, what, what is it? What is it that we have at home? But I love that Elijah says, borrow as many jars as you can from your friends and from your neighbors. So she had to reach out at this point, to her friends and her neighbors, but not to ask or beg for their help. Like, because I think she could have been like, please, you know, I need X amount of dollars. I need this. Can you talk to so-and-so? And sometimes that happens where we start to freak out and start asking people to, I don't know, maybe to borrow money or just out of desperation, reach out to them. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because please, if you're going through a dire situation, especially if you have children, sometimes you got to speak up. But I think what's important to highlight here is that she reached out to her friends 
and her neighbors to tap into their resources, to borrow them, and to utilize them as a tool by which this miracle was about to happen. And sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, I think everybody has a talent. Everybody has something that it just comes so easy to them. So easy that they may not even consider it a talent because it's second nature to them. We have people that are naturally good at fixing things. We got other people that are naturally good at cooking a good meal. We have people that are naturally good at organizing People that are just naturally good at different things. And sometimes we have to tap into those resources. And it's not to have them do the work. But it's to tap into that knowledge. You know, like, hey, I burn food a lot. And I'm going to be very silly about this because just to kind of get the point across. But let's say. You're, let's say I'm a person that burns food a lot. And there's a dire need for me to figure out how to cook. Instead of asking my friend or neighbor, hey, can you cook that meal for me? I'm going to tap into the resource of how do you cook and not burn the food? And, and that's cool. Because now you're, how's it the saying goes? You don't teach, you don't fish, you don't, I said, you don't fish the fish for the man, you teach him how to catch a fish or something like that. Um, or you, you catch a fish for them, you feed them once, or you teach them how to catch a fish. I don't know. I, I'm, I know I'm messing it up really bad, so I'm not going to continue. But the point being is that we do need people. We need one another. We need we need our village. We can't do this alone. But our messes, oh, we got to clean that up. We can't expect for family members and friends to do that for us. However, it is okay to tap into their resources and their knowledge. Um, so if you have an idea for a business and, I don't know, you're, you know, a family member or friend that's good at, you know, in the subject matter, it's okay to ask them questions and again, gain that knowledge. So anyway, that's what Elijah had her do. To borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. But the next step, <laughs> I love it. Because then it says, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. So she was going to get to work at home. Her and her sons had, had to get at it, had to start working on it. And then pour olive oil from your flask into the jars. So then he gave her instructions as to what needed to be done. What she needed to do. What they needed to do. And she already had the resources. Now it was time to get to work. And I love that she had to involve her sons. Again, we don't know how old they were. But she certainly did not do this by herself. She involved her children. She really did. And this really hit home for me because in 2021, 
um, after 14 plus years of marriage, I became a single mom. And although I had been the sole provider, financially speaking, for many years, that that initiation of that separation of, you know, I have I'm going to go and get my own place for me and my children to live in. That essentially dwindled my savings in the cost of moving. It, I had a substantial amount, you know, I, I was living debt free, had a pretty good savings account. It had dwindled because I had to share half and then moving, cost of moving. I mean, first and last month, you know, all that, that stuff that goes into moving. Then because of the emotional drainage that said separation caused, I was out on leave from work for three months, which I have no regrets. I needed to do that. I needed to be there for my children. I had to, to re- I really wouldn't have been able to focus at work. I had to focus in the steps that I had to take to get me and my children to be in a good place. And that's what it took. But by, I would say not by the end of it, but 2021, I had to fully surrender my finances to God. Through most of it, there was a lot of anxiety as to how am I going to recuperate my savings? It's down to nothing. If I'm like one emergency away from being destitute. I um, It was a mess. I had a financial mess to clean up. But guess what? It was the year where, and I'm still working on it, and it's still a little bit messy. But guess what? I had to go into my place with the resources that I got. Lock myself up with me and my children and get to work. What does that look like? Well, we've been reading a lot, getting financially literate. Because let me tell you, we, at least in my household, we are running by faith. We are praying to God and God is the provider. He is the one that provides our daily bread. He, I am so thankful to God for his provision and that I can have a roof over my head. Bills are paid on time. My children have clothes on their bodies. You know, we, we're good. And I'm very thankful to God. But I truly believe that we have to, even as Christians, tap into financial literacy How do we budget? How are we managing his provision? Because once we get his provision, what are we doing with it? Can God honestly look at our books and be proud of us? Be proud of how we're spending his resources, spending his provision? That's that's a hard question to answer. So in my journey... What this has looked like is having very serious conversations with my children. They are 12 and 13. And we talk about budgeting. 
We talk about financial literacy, obviously, in an age-appropriate manner that they can understand. They know the value of a dollar. At least I'm trying to teach them that. They know how debt works. They know what budgeting for groceries is. They know about different investment options. So as mom is becoming more financial, financially literate, so are they. If mom is tapping into entrepreneurship, they know about it and they know the struggles and they know what's going on. Because guess what? This wasn't just the lady who had to go in there and pour the oil by herself and clean up the financial messes. The kids had to help too. Because that's real life. I personally believe that if my kids can see what I'm doing, just by observation, those are huge lessons for them for when they become adults. So whatever mess you have at home, whatever mess you have at home, whether it be financial, whether it be a literal mess, like you, I don't know, maybe you have a garage that you need to organize. It could be a literal mess or it could be a mess of Whatever mess you have in your home, just know that the family's got to, we got to tap the family in, the immediate family, those that live with you at home and help and together can help one another to clean it up. Okay. But in the end, and this is to conclude, it all worked out. It all worked out and we know that There was enough oil. There was a miracle. There was enough oil for, it says for her to pay her debts and for her and her sons to live on what is left over. So there was a provision that wasn't, that was, wasn't just enough to clean up the mess, but enough to give a little breathing room. And that's amazing. So in conclusion, I want to remind us that, again, just because we serve God, it doesn't mean that we aren't susceptible to being in debt to get or getting into ourselves into certain types of troubles. It happens. We're, we're human beings. We have to clean up our mess. We've got to. Now, In the process, it is okay to reach out to friends and family and borrow certain resources. And no, I'm not talking about borrowing money. Please don't go and start borrowing money. Like that kind of defeats the purpose. That's not what I'm referring to. But tap into their knowledge. If you know a family member that is, you know, that does well, maybe ask them, how do you financially How do you budget? How do you do this? How do you do what you do? I don't know if you're comfortable with that type of conversation. But hey, side note, there's a lot of resources online. There's a lot of stuff on social media that you can even tap into. Tap into the resources. But guess what? In the end, make sure that you and your family together get to work at home. Lock the doors and get to work. We got to put in the work to clean up our messes and handle business. 
And that's another type of powerful conversation we need to have with our loved ones. As we can see here, see here, the powerful conversation was had with the man of God who asked a profound question of what do you have at home? So I challenge you today to evaluate what it is that's really messy that needs to be handled. And what do you have at home to take care of that mess? Let's think on that. Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you tune in next week for next week's powerful conversation. And just remember, conversations can build and destroy worlds. So let's make each one of them count. Take care.